The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents the conclusion of Job Readiness Certification. Maximize team building skills and success. Featuring CEO of QSI Global, Talia Fox, and Andre Thornton of Whitman Consulting. For most of us, teamwork is a part of everyday life. Whether it's at home, in the community, or at work, we are often expected to be a functional part of a performing team. This workshop will encourage participants to explore the different aspects of a team, as well as ways that they can become a top-notch team performer. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference presents Job Readiness Certification, Maximize Team Building Skills and Success, Part 2. Featuring Talia Fox and Andre Thornton. So we have some questions. And if we could remind me who, who asked each question as we go. Who was, the first, who was the experience from going Lockheed Martin to own company? That was you? And give me your name one more time. Princess Williams. Princess Williams, okay. So this transition of being an employee to being an entrepreneur. Who in here is thinking about being an entrepreneur? Not everyone, it's okay if not. Who wants to work at a company and move up in that company? So anyone not want to move up and not want to be an entrepreneur? Anyone just want to go to work and make the donuts and go home? Okay, so everybody wants to like grow in advance in some way, right? So people talk about entrepreneurship and what do you think is the number one thing that's needed to be an entrepreneur? Creativity, passion, belief in yourself, being a great salesman, having a problem to fix, ambition and drive, great work ethic. We've got some entrepreneurs in here. A budget, money. You need money. Need money to start a company. This comes from someone who worked at a company for 18 years and then started a company and has had a company for four years. The number one thing. So there's all these sort of glamorous thoughts around what it means to be an entrepreneur. You have this freedom. You know, you see people posting on Instagram. They're at the beach. Like, this is my office for the day. Like, all these glamorous examples of entrepreneurship. But none of that happens without money. We can agree on that. So everything else that you described before we got to budget were what it takes to be an entrepreneur. Everyone had great answers. You got to drive, work ethic, and all these things, right? So had you ever thought about that you have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur at your company, wherever you end up working? There's a concept called intrapreneurship with an I where you basically take all of those qualities of being an entrepreneur and you bring them into your job. And that mindset of being an entrepreneur within your job means that you're coming up with ideas, which is what entrepreneurs do, and you're getting them bought into and implemented. You're selling them. The only difference between an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur is You've already got the money. So you've already tackled the hardest part. So the way I transitioned from working at a, at a company to being an entrepreneur was I became an intrapreneur at Lockheed Martin. 
I saw myself as a business within the company. So think of yourself as like uh, you're the CEO of Me Incorporated. And as a CEO of Me Incorporated, you show up to this company to deliver value, just like you would show up and deliver value for your clients. There's so many similarities between being an employee that has to serve a company and being an entrepreneur that has to serve a customer. You've got people that you don't know that you have to meet, that you have to make happy. You have people that you like. You have people that you don't like. You have people that are like you, that look like you, that act like you, that think like you. You have people that are different than you. I've got a good friend who, actually I was just talking to her this morning. She worked with me at Lockheed for several years. She was a computer science major. And she was at Lockheed, then she went to General Motors. And two years ago, she left General Motors and started her side hustle full time. Her side hustle is she's a travel agent. So she's planning trips for people all around the world. She has this big, it's called Wanderlust trip that she plans to Africa and then one to South America. It's this really cool thing that she does and she loves what she does. And I was talking to her this morning about what skills did you get at General Motors and Lockheed Martin? that prepared you to do what you're doing now. And we both agree that what we get at the company is a foundation in professionalism, in business acumen, and problem solving. So if you work at a company and you approach it like you're trying to solve problems, you're trying to be a great professional, and you're trying to understand the business, you can take those skills and you can become an entrepreneur. So that's a long answer to, I was an entrepreneur and that's how I transitioned to being an entrepreneur. So I would have an idea at the company. I would find out who are the stakeholders that I need to get bought into this idea. How can I get it implemented? I would implement it. And here's a beautiful thing. When you get things done at a company and you're successful, they promote you. So I ended up having this amazing career. I became a director at the company. I had 2,000 people I was responsible for because I approached it as being an entrepreneur. And companies are looking for people that want to bring their ideas and implement them. So that's my long, short answer. Any other follow-ups on that one? Well, can you give another example of how companies um, have taken interest in an employee's idea and how it was implemented? Hmm, interesting. So i got to remember the exact example. I think it might have been when Facebook and Instagram expanded the like button to the love and all those other things. That came from an idea from an employee. Facebook is obviously a very innovative company, easy examples. Everyone's not going to work at Facebook. So I'll give you an example from my own experience. So I was working on the assembly line. We were building airplanes. and. I had to manage, not to get into all the technical details, but you design an airplane and then you build it. And I'm out there with the people that build it. But once it's designed, we continue to tinker with it and change the design. And as we change the design, we basically change the airplane, but when we install the new parts on the plane, we have to make sure that it doesn't make the production slow down. So you basically are building a new plane all the time with all these new designs. So I'm sitting out there, and I see this happening. And I see that we have this one airplane where there's 189 changes on one airplane at once. 
In this airplane, we had to build cheaper and faster than the one before it, but it's gonna be a brand new plane. There's all these new things to learn. So I had this idea, and, I, and to be completely honest, the reason I had this idea is I was bored. I'm sitting out there watching these planes get built for about a year, going to these morning meetings at 6.45 every morning, and it got boring. We're doing the same thing every day. I'm like, I gotta make this fun and exciting. There's gotta be something else going on. So I saw we had all these changes coming. I said, oh, oh, can I like create a project to manage all the changes at once? And I like get different people from different parts of the company to be a part of this team. So I went to my manager and I said, hey, could I do this? This would at least be something, you know, interesting and like purposeful other than just watching an airplane go down the line. And he was like, sure, go ahead and do it. So I got the team put together. I had like five people. I didn't, they didn't work for me, but I had, so I had to figure out how to get them to support this idea. And about two months into it, my boss's boss had the same idea. My boss's boss said, you know what? We got a bunch of changes. We should put together a team to manage that. And my boss said, I've got Andre already doing that. So he brought in the very next Monday, all this work that I had done. And to this day, that same boss says, he continues to thank me for how good I made him look in front of his boss. So what ended up happening is this project became a huge thing. My boss became the leader. He made me his deputy. And we got a company award. I got a promotion. Like all these amazing things happened because I was bored. But then I didn't leave it at just being bored. I said, what can I do that would be interesting that would also add some value? So that would be another, not quite as cool as the Facebook example, but another practical example. All right, we're going to move to the next one. So from STEM to business, this is interesting. So I was a mechanical engineer, worked at Lockheed Martin, started as an engineer, production, and I started working on an MBA, got an MBA in finance. And once I got the MBA, while I was getting it, the very last year, I took this class called investment banking. Anyone familiar with investment banking? You familiar with it? You heard the term? Does anyone know, know what it is? I know you're the business person, right? It's uh, when you're working with the finances from the bank and you're trying to invest in the different uh, portfolios that the bank has, I believe. It's kind of, it's kind of like, like that. The Merrill Lynch kind of thing. Right, so there's, a, there's investing that goes on, obviously investment banking. Right. But there's also, did you have something to add to that? Actually, it's sometimes more like brokers. That's, so they connect um, like hedge funds to companies sometimes, or they invest their funds into other businesses, like in their portfolios. I believe like, it's like that realm. Yep, that's a good way to put it. So before I took this class, I thought a banker was the teller at Bank of America. That's all I knew of banking, but I took this class and they said investment banking, you have this group of people that they work on all the money part of a business to figure out how to make the money turn into profit for a company. That's the simplest way I can think to explain it. So within that class, we had this spreadsheet that was used to determine the value of a company. It was one formula that you can plug in all these variables and it would tell you how much that company is worth. I had never seen math used this way. I was fascinated and I decided I wanna work in finance. I figured I'm an engineer, finance, engineering, Math shouldn't be too tough. So I got the MBA and I applied to some finance jobs. 
and they looked at me like I had three heads. No one in finance wanted to hire me. I looked outside the company. I went to investment banks and talked to some. And pretty much they told me that I could do it, but it's going to be a, a hard, I would have to move to New York, it's going to be this hard uphill battle. So I continued to look internally at Lockheed Martin. The way I got the job that I got to move into finance was I took a separate job while I'm at Lockheed Martin in my last semester to get credit for one of my courses, I decided to take on another job with a boutique investment bank. I took on a job as an, a boutique investment banker. And then once the semester was over, I continued to work there for free, just so I could have business experience to show people I was serious. The other thing I did was on my own dime, I was living in Georgia and in Atlanta, I flew myself to corporate headquarters for Lockheed Martin in Bethesda. And I met with everyone at corporate that worked in finance that would have a, a conversation with me and asked them, how do I get into finance? So I paid out of my own pocket within Lockheed Martin and showed up and asked everyone, how can I get into finance? It took me a year to finally get an interview for a job in finance. So it wasn't easy. Who had the question again? You had the question about the trip. So I, had to, I did all these things, but I was so interested and I, I wanted it so bad that I was willing to do all these things. The very last thing I did and the reason I got the job, I was told by my management afterwards, was I knew it was a stretch for me to say, I've never, you know, other than this boutique investment bank, I've never really done finance. So I looked at the job description and I listed everything they were looking for. And I put together a PowerPoint presentation that matched everything I've done in some other way that connected to what they needed. And I literally gave them that presentation <coughs> in the interview. And the manager said that was, that was what took me over. No one else had ever done that. So those were the three things I did. Talk about how bad you want it. We'll find a way. Any other follow-ups on that? Okay, uh, sports to STEM. So this is an easy one. So I was, Talia mentioned she was an introvert earlier. I'm an introvert and I'm shy, believe it or not. And when I was really young, I wasn't really good at anything. So I started playing football and running track. So I got decent at football. I wasn't a great football player, but I was decent enough. And then I get this scholarship to play football in college. So I ended up playing football because it paid for school. I went to the Virginia Military Institute and it was a full ride. So at the end of my college career, she mentioned that I had an offer to go to the NFL. It wasn't quite that. So the NFL invites you to what's called a combine to try out for football. And I got an invitation to come try out and I decided not to go. And I decided not to go because I was a lot more passionate about engineering than I was about football. Now, some might say, what about the money? What about all these other things? But for some reason at that age, I was ready to stop playing and I was ready to use my mind more than, than everything else. And I, I think it was the right decision. My wife may disagree. Any follow-ups on that? 
Okay, uh, steps to get Lockheed Martin job. So how do you get the job of your dreams? Anyone have a company they're targeting while they're here? So here's, here's my advice. And this may seem a little unorthodox. And I didn't do it quite like this back then when I got the job 22 years ago, but I did as much as you could kind of do back then based on the technology we had. So here's what you do. You, you find the specific company and then you look online for a job that they have that you're interested in. And it can't just be a job that you're like, eh, that would be cool. You find a job that you would love to have. You find a job that you're like, oh my gosh, that would be so great. That you just get a feeling inside that's like, oh my gosh, this, this would be so great. And the reason you have to be that excited about it is because of what I'm about to tell you next. People can read your excitement when they meet you. And in order to show them how excited you are, to demonstrate it, I actually advise people to look at everything that the job says you have to do and pretend that you already have the job. And think about how you would start doing it right now and then start doing it. So if you're talking about equity trading, for example, let's say it's JP Morgan, it's equity trading, and you're trying to figure out, you find this job, you see the description, so the stockbrokers are out looking at different securities, and they've got models, they have all these things that you don't have access to. But what you do have is a desire to be an equity trainer at JP Morgan, and there's tons of information on the internet that's public source that you could use to put together your own portfolio that shows your demonstration of logic and how you think about investments and why you think that way about them. And with the research that you would do, demonstrate to them that you could do this job because you're already doing it, as an example. Now that's something like trading stocks, that's a little more public knowledge. How about the Lockheed Martin? What, what kind of job at Lockheed Martin would you be interested in? Manufacturing? Any particular thing you want to build? Planes? Great. Okay, so manufacturing airplanes, which is actually what I worked on for 14 years. There's information out there. So again, look at the job description, look at everything. They're gonna ask you to do probably like some kind of analysis, maybe on production flow, uh, analysis on product changes and how it impacts, impacts things. There's all these things that they'll, they'll say. So think of it as a research paper in school that you have to go and decide, how are we gonna build this plane faster or cheaper? So start with, my goal is to build this plane faster or cheaper. This is my research project. Based on all the information that's out there about using 3D models for manufacturing, about using robotics, about anything you can find that's cutting edge for manufacturing. Find anything out there that describes how it's used, whether it's being used at Lockheed Martin, read up on Lockheed Martin articles talking about what they are currently using, and then come up with some suggestions on things that you could do to improve the speed and reduce the cost of building an airplane. And then go to Lockheed Martin and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you about this. I've got this paper I put together. Actually go to the booth and say that to the recruiter and see what they say. No one else will have done that. 
No one. People love when you know specifically what you want to do, and they love when you take initiative and show that you already are willing to do it. So you see, the reason I said you have to love the job is you got to be willing to do these things. And ideally, you will be willing to do them if it's like fun to you. You want it to be something that you would do for free, because you are doing it for free. So find something that you really care about. OK, any follow-ups? All right, so next was advice on intern to full-time. So, and I believe that was here. The shift from being an intern to being a full-time employee, my biggest recommendation would be to start acting like a full-time employee right now. And a full-time employee, in my mind, is an entrepreneur, someone who goes to work not just to do what they're told by their manager, but to look at what's happening, talk to the people around them, find ways to bring their ideas to make things better at the company. So I would recommend to start doing that right away. And then that makes them like, wow, this is someone we want to keep. Let's make them a full-time offer. And if they don't hire you and you go talk to other companies about what you did in your internship, they'd be like, wow, this is someone we want to, we want to bring on. So start bringing your ideas and implementing them. Any follow-ups? OK. Uh, happy with working for Lockheed Martin full-time. Happy working for Lockheed Martin. I'm very happy I made the decision. I switched careers four times at Lockheed Martin. Never leaving the company. These large companies, you can do all kinds of stuff. So I went from being on the production floor to working for a year, supporting executives as, an, as a technical assistant, to doing finance. And in the finance job, I was selling airplanes. That's where the billion dollar number came from that Talia mentioned. I was putting business deals together to sell airplanes. And then I went from that to being an executive in engineering in the IT division, which is a completely different division. And then I went from that to doing leadership development for Lockheed Martin. I led the leadership development programs at Lockheed Martin, all staying in the same company. So the reason I say I think I made the right decision is Lockheed Martin's culture, not to give them a commercial, but they are one where they encourage you to do that kind of thing. And most companies are, they encourage you to move around. But you've got to take the initiative to do it because your manager may not be the one to tell you, hey, you should go get your MBA and work in finance. You've got to take the initiative to do it yourself back to having the entrepreneurial mindset. All right, so last question. Essential skills to achieve my definition of success. So with this one, I want to transition us in our last 45 minutes or so to a topic and an exercise. So the skills that I need to do my job are I need to be able to stand up here, and I need to be able to build trust with you, and I need to be able to collaborate with you. For this class you came into, you're here to learn about team building, which is interacting with other people. So how do we build trust and how do we collaborate? How do we build trust? Who has a definition of trust? What trust is? Dependability. And accountability. Dependability and accountability. Those are great answers. 
Being authentic, showing your authentic side. Uh, being able to rely on someone to um, follow through on their commitments. Being able to rely on someone to follow through on your commitments. We'll go back here, that's a great answer. Reliance on someone, you know what they're doing, won't do. Let's go here and then we'll go there. Um, being vulnerable to um, putting a task in someone's hands with your name on it and being able to trust them because. Absolutely. Trust that it'll get done. Respect. Give me more on that. Respect and trust. Great. Excellent. Very well thought out. That's exactly right. You're listening to Job Readiness Certification. Maximize team building skills and success. Part 2. A professional development seminar. Featuring Talia Fox and Andre Thornton. Brought to you by the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So there's a book called The Speed of Trust that has the best definition of the components of what trust is that I've ever seen. So it says that trust is broken down into these, these two categories, char character and competence, and that what makes up character is intent, which is, is a person have my best interest at heart, or are they just out for themselves? And integrity, which is, well, can I count on them to, to tell me the truth? Competence is a combination of capabilities. Do they have the skills to do what I need them to do? And results, which goes beyond the skills, is do they actually deliver? Can I hand something over to them and I can count on them to bring it in? The reason this is so powerful is trust is a feeling. It's an emotion. We know it when we feel it. And when we don't feel it, we're kind of like, eh, just don't quite trust that person. So if you think of someone that you know that you don't trust, can you think of which of these categories cause you not to trust them? Integrity, intent? Anyone else? Think of someone you don't trust. That's right. You say they're not competent. You can't trust them in getting something done, even though they may have the best intentions and, and they have great integrity. Yes. Right. So they may have the skill to do it, but they don't deliver, right? Yes. <laughs> exactly. If they don't have those skills, there's no need. So I used to, before I thought about it in this broader context, I used to say I trust my, my wife with my life. I've been married for a, uh -oh. <laughs> 19 years or so, 18. Right. Don't tell her, y'all. We were recording recording. So I thought I would trust her with my life until I looked at this and I said, well, if I needed hip surgery, if I needed to get my hip replaced, I probably wouldn't trust my wife with my life to do that. I wouldn't trust her capabilities and I wouldn't trust her results in that area. I'm sure she has my best interests and she would be honest about it. So in every situation you're in in work, People are evaluating whether or not they can trust you. And we're 
automatically thinking about all four of these characters, not consciously, but subconsciously. And if we don't quite trust you, it's because one of these we feel is off. So how do you build trust? Especially once you get into a company. Yes, interesting. How you would want them to be if you were their manager. Good first impression, interesting. So let's say this is a group of all-stars, right? You're remarkable professionals. So you've got great grades. You've got great demonstration of your abilities. And now let's say you're in an interview and you're trying to get them to give you the job. And they can see from your resume that you have this and they're trying to evaluate you on this. Or let's say you're new in a company and you're trying to build relationships. And this is great, but you're trying to demonstrate your intent and your integrity. So let's do, it, let's do an exercise. I'd like you to choose a partner, everybody choose a partner, someone that they preferably at the table that you don't know that well. So this is a workshop you came to about team building, right? So team building is about connecting with other people. We have to connect with one person at a time. It's hard to connect with a group at one time. We have to master the art of connecting with one person, right? You have to connect with your manager, you have to connect with these recruiters, you have to connect with folks. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to connect with each other in this exercise. So here's what I'd like you to do. Each of you take turns. So the first person goes first, second person goes second. Share with your partner the most memorable meal you've ever eaten. Most memorable meal you've ever had. And don't just focus on the food. Talk about the, the full experience. Who was with you, the ambiance, where you were, and what made it so memorable? Awesome. It's the last thing I heard. Somebody said it was awesome. Did, did the group of three, did y'all get done? Yeah. Okay, great, good job. Achievers. Okay, great. So who, and you have to look at your partner and make sure they're okay, who wants to share their partner's story? Um, his name is Kyrie. Um, so his memorable meal was, it wasn't necessarily the food that made it memorable, but what happened. Um, so he was sitting down with his family, and he remembers telling his brother, oh, that waitress is bad. And then his brother told the waitress, and after which he gave him a hug. Um, he said, and he was like really embarrassed by it. But he, had, he, he said, he had to point out that he was like six or seven years old. <laughs> you were a little bit older than that. I was like six or seven, and she was probably like a grown woman. Oh, wow. That's tough. <laughs> and you remember that from six or seven. What was that back then? <laughs> Too bad. Good job. Right, right. Story's over. Story's over. Okay. His name is Francis, and his meal for memorable meal was um, some like really rich people stuff. He had Kobe beef, and um, yeah, it was like gold plates on different parts of his food, oh. and dessert. So, and it was looking at fireworks and. I don't know. Were you judging people? No, no, no. no. Um, so my dad made a joke. So my dad made like a joke because um, we were sitting up on, on in a mansion on a hill, mm -hmm. um, on the edge of the city, and it's like a really, really rich neighborhood. And my dad was like, "Oh, so this is how the rich people sit? They just watch all the peasants down there shooting the fireworks." Because <laughs> they, they weren't shooting any fireworks in the neighborhood, but like everyone else was shooting fireworks in the rest of the city. And you could see down on it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Interesting. 
Gold flakes? Gold flakes. Are you eating the gold flakes? Wow, that's an expensive meal. It was free. It was free. That's impressive. Your stomach was okay after those gold flakes? No, but I think that was a caviar. Caviar, okay, now we're stepping it up even more. Interesting, great stories. Okay, we have one over here. So Andrew's most memorable story, he was with his uh, family and his uncle and stuff. So they were at a restaurant and his dad told his younger brother that the sauce was spicy, so don't touch it. So his, his brother was still went and like took like a little spoon and he put it on his tongue. And like within seconds, he was just gulping down water. So he like he had a cup of water. He drank out that cup of water. So instead, he decided to just grab the pitch. He was like all like trying to get to cool off his mouth because it burned that bad. Wow. So you went from the cup of water. Did you have to like? No. So he he's actually my older brother, which makes it like slightly worse. <laughs> Um, but he just, he was like, like my dad was like, yeah, don't go easy on the sauce because it's spicy. So instead of like going easy, he like took his finger and like dipped it in the sauce. Mm. And ended up having to drink straight from the pitcher of water because he was like freaking out. <laughs> straight from the pitcher. Yeah. That's rough. Anyone take a picture of that? That made a good moment. Press <laughs> like a boomerang. Okay. So. We talked about these results and capabilities. Let's say everyone here is a rock star, so your results, you deliver, you have the skills. When we meet someone, the hardest part for us when we're trying to be impressive is to get them to feel comfortable with our integrity and our intent. And the only way we can do that is through transparency. So I mentioned this career at Lockheed Martin. When you're in a company, or when you're trying to get hired by in a company, believe it or not, people need to like you. People need to trust you. But the only way they can do either of those things is if they know you. So we show up like at these conferences, and you know we're trying to be our best professional selves, and we're practicing being professional. We have the way that we act with our friends when we're home or with our family. But when we show up here, we want to maybe straighten up and be professional. And what that can cause us to do is not really share who we are, because we're worried that it's not going to be appropriate. And that's a legitimate concern. There are certain things that we say at home with our friends and family that we don't want to show up and say in a job interview or at a networking lunch. But when we shut it all off, then people are like, ah, that person's not really authentic. I can tell they're not really being themselves. We all feel that when we meet someone. So I talk, we were talking, all this is about like what I need to do better to show up and be successful. The reason I shared so much about myself up front was so that I can be transparent and open with you, to build trust with you. So that's something I've very intentionally worked on because as I mentioned earlier, I'm shy and I'm introverted and I would show up at work and I wouldn't want to talk. I wouldn't want to share anything about myself. But I got this really good advice about how to do it from this guy at this one training. And he said, what you do want to do is you want to share pearls about yourself. So you want to identify a handful of things that you would just love for everybody to know. Not braggadociously, not like, oh, did you know I did this? I know I did that. But what are 
some things that you would be proud for people to know about you. So I want everyone to take a moment and think about at least one pearl that demonstrates who you are, that says a little bit about who you are, that you would feel comfortable sharing with someone at a luncheon today or tomorrow or at dinner tomorrow night. So think about it and then chime in as you come up with ideas. Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. Um, I'm Charles Marshall, computer science major. I'm also a resident assistant at my school. Um, like me and Josh, like we work together in the residence hall together. <laughs> I know I said that twice, but we, um, like we love what we do and we love um, to build communities around um, just talking to people and creating an environment for other students to feel safe. So, yeah, that's what I want to share. Excellent. So do y'all feel like he was being authentic? Yeah. Do you feel like you know a little bit more about what he's about? Yeah. Is it anything that he should be ashamed of? Would you be more likely to want to build a relationship with him and get to know him more just because you feel like he's someone that's not going to sort of BS you and, and give you the inauthentic version of himself? So when you had these, these forced conversations with each other, you build bonds with each other. You actually made a connection. And I intentionally did this so that you could feel more connected to a complete stranger and see how this works when we're willing to open up and share. It's a really magical thing that doesn't get talked about enough. But it's the key to building trust. If people don't know you, they can't trust you. Anyone else want to share, their, share a thing? business owner. Um, I am a notary and I do tutoring as well as uh, like business card designs and graphic designs. Wow. And my uh, my business is called Cheyenne's Polymath Services because the word polymath just means uh, kind of a master of a lot of things. Great. So Cheyenne, why did you start that those businesses or that business? Um, so what? originally I was a tutor working at a company and I realized that um, I could make more money um, doing it by myself and I could be more efficient and I could tutor in more subjects than the subjects that we offered at work. Um, and then I designed my first business card and I found that I had a knack for it. And then I started designing more things for other people um, so I made logos, I helped people with websites, kind of small business consulting with them, and different things like that. Excellent. So now we know more about her. We also know some things that maybe we could purchase from her if we were interested. All by her sort of busting through that discomfort that we feel to step out and show who we really are. It's amazing how powerful it is but it's something to be practiced. You have to be intentional and pick the thing that you want to share. Pick the thing that you're proud of. So we're going to do one more thing. So that was the first, my first way of doing this job better is being transparent with you. The second way is through collaboration. So I wanted to collaborate with you today. So how do we collaborate? Put our ideas together? Combine our ideas? Yep. In full essence, we communicate. Pros and cons. Excellent. Anyone else? How you collaborate? Y'all did some collaborating when you first started the session earlier, right? Brainstorm together. 
feed off of each other, getting to know each other, respecting each other's ideas, adding on and supporting their ideas. Excellent, yes. Listening intently. Interesting, y'all getting some good collaboration. So we're gonna do one more exercise. It's a collaboration exercise. So I'd like you to please get with your same partner. And this time, you're not gonna take turns, you're just gonna work on this as a team. Here's what you have to figure out. Imagine that you and your partner are gonna be on a deserted island for the rest of your lives. And you have everything you need, food, water, internet, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever you're into. But you and your partner together have to decide what are three things you'd like to bring with you. Our time is up. We got three? I can see there's some pride in these three things from some of you. No one can build a competition. Who's got the best three? All right, who wants to share their three? We'll start here. A plane, solar panel, because that's great. Oh, and a gun. A gun? Just what? Do you want to both have a gun, or is this one gun to share? You got to stay strapped. Hopefully, y'all stay friends. <laughs> so we got solar panel, gun. What was the first thing again? A plane. In a plane. Are either of you pilots? We will be prior to the mom. You will be prior to the mom. I like the way you think fast on your feet. So you got the plane, you got solar, and you got two guns. Each has a gun. Any particular kind of gun? A Glock, I guess. Okay. All right, that works. That works. Excellent. Who else? Satellite phone? Shoes. Any particular kind of shoes? Jordan, you want me comfortable? No flip flops? Tim's? And you can decide what kind. So you got Jordan's, you got Tim's. What was the third thing? Flame starter. Oh, fire starter. Oh, just to kind of create something cool because you got the food and everything. Nice. That sounds like that'd be interesting. Yes, sir. Here. Did y'all get into like who in the family? Like the whole, like the immediate family, the extended family? Immediate family? Okay. Uh, next is a jetpack, but it's not no regular jetpack. It's like a jetpack with, like, like when you put it on, you get like a full spill. So if you fall down, you don't have to. <laughs> a jetpack that when you, it's like a force field around you. It's like a magic jetpack. It runs on magic. Nice. I like that. Because you can't invent things. You just have to agree on what they are. So y'all invented a jetpack that's got a magic force field around you. Yeah, and the third okay. thing is a guitar. So when the, on the jetpack, you're like playing the song. <laughs> <laughs> so you're playing the guitar on the jetpack. And you got a magic force field around you. And it's, it's acoustic. It's beautiful. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, sir. Okay, so for our group of three, we ended up actually having like five wishes just numerically, just how it worked. So our first one said, 
was we wanted to bring our light family. So our family members are light. Interesting. So our next one, we wanted to bring chefs because we have food, but I, I don't want to eat raw or burnt chicken. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, we know how that goes. So you have a chef. Nice. Right, right, right. There's three chefs. Okay. Y'all really work this. Next one to bring doctors. Doctors. So you got chefs. Each of you has your own personal doctor, of course. Okay. Fourth, we said engineers because we have trees and stuff. Well, we gave them five because they had three. So engineers to like build stuff for you? Okay. So you left one on the table. Like, we're still delivering, you know? You might ask the engineer what we should bring. I don't know. Ah, so you leave one open and you ask the engineer. He's like, oh, dude, we need this right now. Right. Emergency wish, I guess. Excellent. <laughs> Very well thought out. So I want to let y'all know this group, because there are three of them, they volunteered to add, to go up to five to make this more difficult and equal everyone. So I'm going to give y'all a hand of applause for making this equitable, an equitable exercise. Great, made it interesting. Okay, we're here in the front. All right, so the three things we chose. So we didn't want to be like just just me and him. Like we obviously want to socialize and have friends. So we got uh, a modeling agency, like the whole modeling agency, the whole the whole photographers, models. Everybody's enjoying. A modeling agency, the whole agency is there. Everybody's enjoying the beach. Okay. Um, all right. So then our second thing. Uh, a cure to any disease. A cure. You just got the anecdote, which yep. we're good. Boom. Okay. Um, That's good. The last thing, we need things. Everybody needs things. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. That's why you asked, does it have to be a physical thing? I see what you did there. That was good. Amazon Prime. That's a good one. Next day delivery. Same day sometimes, whatever you need. Wow, y'all are good. Y'all got some good stuff. All right, let's go over here, and then we'll do one more. So uh, we, Charles and me kept it, Charles and I kept it simple. Um, we brought people. Any particular people? Okay, it's going to be, we're probably going to do a screening because we don't want uh, <laughs> <laughs> So y'all just want some company. And y'all are gonna y'all are gonna screen like you're doing a reality show on Netflix. Just to make sure that they're not um, serious. Right. That's that is important. So you want people to that you, oh, that's good. I like that. And a helicopter and fuel so that we can get off and on the island. Helicopter and fuel. Pilot? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you well. Here's the thing: you have fuel because that's like a basic thing, so you could you could say pilot in place of the fuel, <laughs> unless you just want to have the helicopter and fuel and no pilot. And is that one helicopter or two helicopters? One helicopter. Okay, y'all are share. She's thinking. Okay, one more. Anybody else want to share? Okay. Um, so I would bring my child and significant other. So that's family. Yep. Okay. Books, office, uh, supplies, educational things. Um, 
Okay. Wow, so y'all gonna be paid. Y'all gonna be paid on the island. Having fun. Having fun. Doing what you love to do. Doing what you love to do. Excellent. Excellent. So what what was that? Let me t tell me the process you went through to collaborate with each other. What was it? What, what did you do? How did you how did you get started? What did you? Yes. Established everything that you already had. Didn't want to overlap and waste a wish. So you established a list of everything that you already have there. Yes. Um, after we did that as well. And then we also looked at what we'll need in the future. What you'll need in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so you did that and then you said, okay, what will we need? Yes. Go ahead and then. Now. Things that weren't basic, but you just couldn't live without. Right, and everybody's got those things that they can't live without, right? We'll go here and then the back over there. Mm. So you kind of brought in what your passions have were. Have fun while you're there. You don't want to be bored, so bring in things that you're interested in doing that can also make you money. Also teach, also teach other people. Some entrepreneurs over there. Yes? We also kind of just have like a main topic, and then we'd be like, what do we specifically need for these things? Like, with the family, we ask, oh, what family do you bring? And we're like, nah, we don't want to bring a whole family. We're just bring the preferred family that we actually like, you know, wants to hook us up type of thing. Mm. And then it was, and then we just kind of went down the list, like, oh, we need healthcare, but what do we specifically need for people in health? So it's like sort of weighing out a main topic and then specifically what do we need for that topic? Interesting. So everyone went through this process of looking at what's already there, thinking through what you may need, thinking through what people's interests are. So there is a secret to becoming a master collaborator. Do you want to know what it is? Remember, we're talking about team building. And remember, we're talking about building relationships with people one-on-one, -on -one, potentially. And there's one thing we can do at the beginning of collaboration that makes people excited about collaborating with us. What would that one thing be? Ask. So the final thing that I want to share with you and to my what def defines success for me, remember when we started, the first thing I did was I asked you, what do you want to know? I specifically said to myself, I want to collaborate with you. And in, in order to do that, I need to know what you want to know. And then I practiced putting your wants before mine. So there's a process for this. And it's actually one that I coined, that I used in my career, that I look back and I use it over and over again, and it got me amazing results with everyone that I had to build relationships with. I would ask them questions. I would listen, truly listen, not just hear them waiting for my turn to speak, but I would truly listen, and I would listen with body language, and I would listen with intent and trying to really understand them, which took me to then I would empathize. I would literally put myself in their shoes and think, well, based on what they're saying, what's it like to be them? And then as part of active listening, I would say back to them what I thought I heard. I would clarify my hearing what I think that you're saying 
And if I wasn't, then I would go back and we would loop back. If I was, then I would look for an opportunity to align something that they're really interested in once I put that need first with something that I'm interested in. But the whole process starts when we collaborate with first asking. Asking them, understanding them will make them want to work with you, will make them want to help you. And don't just, not the, I mean, you have to start at surface questions, but really try to understand what's going on with people. And think about how you can help them. And everyone will want to help you. So what did we learn with trust and collaboration? What was the key to trust? Transparency. The key to trust is transparency. If people don't know us, they can't trust us. So we have to find what it is about us that we want to be transparent and realizing that it takes courage. I mean, we're exposing ourselves in a way. But once we do it, everyone appreciates that courage and they reward us with trust. And then the second thing with collaboration, what do we need to do first? Ask. It's not a natural thing to do. You start practicing it, I guarantee you have amazing results and amazing relationships. And then I tried to make this into an acronym to help with remembering it. Not Alexa, but Alica. That's the acronym. So with that, I want to thank you all for your attention this morning. Hopefully you got some ideas to carry you forth for the rest of the conference, but even beyond, especially in the best of luck for the conference and in your careers. And we'll be around for other sessions this afternoon and tomorrow if you want to come back for others. But thank you all for your attention. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the conclusion of Job Readiness Certification, Maximize Team Building Skills and Success, a professional development seminar featuring CEO of QSI Global, Talia Fox, and Andre Thornton of Whitman Consulting. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.bea.org. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.